0: Podcast zero three one, Missoula's Carousel and Farmers Market, sponsored by my buddies at PantryParadis dot com. Uh, they sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. All right. So yeah, now your eyebrows look good for the podcast. Good, good show. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so I'm here with uh, with Jeff Badnock. He's been in a whole bunch of my my videos, the rocket mass heater videos, a bunch of those, and uh, the portable rocket mass heaters, and then uh, uh, the the one about the uh, the farmers market in Missoula. And now, uh, what was it, like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that uh, that I had that online thing before the internet. It was in 1991. by right, Max. 20 years ago. And uh, the Missoula Area Conferencing System... That was back when, when uh, computers were gas-powered by them. <laughs> Mine was pedal-powered. Yeah. <laughs> you gas users. You know. <laughs> Actually, you ride your bike... I you, you fire up your car maybe once a month, don't you? A couple, two times. I mean, <laughs> one of the reasons why I moved to Missoula 25 years ago, or whatever it was, was because it's a big bicycle community. Yeah. And, uh, I, in fact... Um, Recently, there was somebody did some sort of thing saying who are like the top ten bicycle communities in the United States, and they rated Seattle number three. And I thought, what? How is Seattle ahead of Missoula? Uh, Maybe maybe Missoula wasn't big enough because Missoula's only eighty-five thousand, right? Maybe you had to be like a hundred thousand or bigger to even get on their list. Some sometimes they do that by dollars spent on bicycle facilities. Oh, Oh. and a big city like that's got more money to throw at. at Bicycle facilities, so that could be it. Well, I don't see nearly as many bicycles on the road in Seattle as I do in Missoula. Right. So, um, but, so uh, today's podcast um, has very little to do with permaculture unless you kind of take in uh, the spin of, uh, of uh, uh, I don't know, urban design kinds of stuff. And, and Now we're uh, talking about the culture in permaculture, not the perma in permaculture. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think people would say that because that, that, that's what they say. It's not permanent agriculture. They say it's permanent culture. Right. They're, you know, they're trying to make the move in that space. But now, um, uh, the, when I met you, you were the director of the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, and you were doing all kinds of stuff to overhaul Missoula. And uh, I remember one of your pet projects at the time, when I first met you, was you were ramping up this Saturday market thing. Right and and while you always pointed everybody else who did all the work there, I know you were a huge player. Like I think if it wasn't for you, the Saturday market here would be lame. But and, and that that's based on what little I know at this time. Right. Uh, uh, and I also remember that you uh, talked to me one day, and you were all excited. This guy came into my office, and he has at his house. Three carousel horses. So at the time oh, oh, he was working okay. on number four. You okay. told me that okay. right. he's got three done, and he's carving up a fourth. And he asked me, yeah. "Can we build a carousel?" <laughs> and uh, and you didn't tell the guy no. You said you got this idea, so you were asking me, "What do you think? Right. Do people yeah. go for it?" Right. Well, the yeah, that's that's basically what happened. Uh, the man you're talking about, his name is Chuck Caprich. And he's a woodworker uh, and been around Missoula for a long time. Now, I think as a woodworker, the important thing to point out is he was a cabinet maker.
1: Cabinet maker.
0: The first carousel horse he carved, he just got this idea to do it one day, and he had never carved anything in his life. The first one that he did, he wanted to carve for his wife for a birthday present. And his initial idea was that he was going to buy her one. And so he was trying to find carousel horses, and he found this guy, I think he's in California, who was referred to as kind of the guy who knew everything about American carousel horses, and he said, can you tell me where to get a hold of one of these horses? And Chuck related to me that the guy just chewed him out. And he said, you know, sir, it's guys like you that are making America's carousels disappear, because what happens is, The horses are worth more individually than they are collectively on a carousel. So it makes more sense to break up a carousel and sell off the individual animals because you get a lot more money. And that was what was happening to America's carousel. So uh, Chuck kind of abandoned the idea initially that he was going to buy an authentic horse. But the guy said... I know where you can get plans to build a horse. And Chuck said, I work in wood all the time. Tell me how to get the plans. So the guy sent him the plans, and he built the first one. And he said, you know, that guy's right. Carousels are disappearing all over America. We need to do something to reverse that trend. So he decided right then and there that he was going to carve a carousel. And he first went to um, then-Mayor Chemist. And said, "Mayor, city ought to give me a place for my carousel." And the mayor said, "I think you need to go talk to Jeff Badnock over at MRA."
1: <laughs>
0: so Chuck came to see me, and he he brought in a couple of his horses, and he said, "If I build a carousel, will the city of Missoula give it a good home?" And I have to admit that initially, my aunt, my my perception was, "This guy is a lunatic." <laughs> But then he started telling me the story about how he came to understand why we had to reverse the trend of disappearing carousels. And I said, You know, I think this guy's got the passion to do this. And so I said, Yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll try to do this. I'm gonna put you on the agenda for the next MRA board meeting and we're gonna take this to the board and I'm gonna recommend that we figure out some way where we can help you. Do this. So we took his idea to the MRA board. They loved it, and he, the board told me they said, "Jeff, you have our blessings? Go help this guy figure this out. <laughs> figure out how to do this. We want to see this happen too." And so it was. It was because my board shared the vision. There you go. You're, you're you're giving credit to everybody else again. I wouldn't have done it if they hadn't said to do it. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave me the authority to spend my time and resources. You could have shut the guy down, but the thing is, is that when I when you talked to me about it, which I think was before he we went to the board, mm-hmm. you were excited. Well, I am. You were well, all. You were like, "What ex- do you think? What do you think?" <laughs> I got excited after the first ten minutes of talking. Man. <laughs> then I was sold. <laughs> and and as we got into the project um, he had talked to some other people who also fell into the sway of this wonderful idea they all wanted to see it happen and so there were all these people kind of feeding in little bits of assistance to Chuck to do this and of course his thing was he was carving these beautiful horses because that's the main part of a carousel is these great horses and so we were talking to him and we said Chuck how long does it take you to carve a horse and he said, oh, 400 hours maybe. 400 hours, that's 10 work weeks.
1: And let's (laughs) see, we need
0: 40 horses before we can open and that doesn't give you any other job, you're just (laughs) doing this. And we realized, you know what, you cannot do this by yourself, you need help. And so Chuck offered a course at Continuing Ed at the Boat Tech, which was whatever it was called, saying, you know, how would you like to learn to carve a carousel horse? Right, I remember that. And people came out of the woodwork. I want to learn, I want to learn. And Chuck had this whole crew of people working that he taught how to carve. Okay, there was talk about the carousel before that. People were talking about, let's build a carousel, should right. we? Right. And, and, and I mean, like, I don't think there was anybody against the idea. Well, there was. Was there? there? was. There was one person. Because as we were thinking about where this should go, we looked around and I said, you know... It really should be in the downtown, and the one place downtown to have it is at Keras Park. And so what we did is we got an aerial photo and a, and a plan of the park, and we laid out a 100-foot by 100-foot square, and we said the carousel shall go in this square. And so we went to the parks board, we went to the city council, and said, can we, can we go and put this in our park? So, so, so now,
1: <clears throat>
0: my thinking was, is that by the time they came around to offering the classes, come on down and carve a carousel horse. Right. By then, the whole community was had carousel fever. I mean, Brandon, was, there may have been yeah, it was started your one dissenter that you were about to talk about, who right, so I'm right. bypassing at the right, moment. Right. But but I, I can't help but think that that if I my memory is everybody had carousel fever, everybody was excited for it. Yes, home run. Because it's like there were some things that came up, and then you know people were right. like, here's, like Dan Kammes had some ideas about some right. things, and people here's, were divided about. Nah, I no, don't know. Here's 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 the problem. Here's what what you have to remember is that up until that time, when you said we're going to have a carousel in Missoula, your idea of what the carousel in Missoula would look like was in your brain, because we didn't have a we didn't have a building, we didn't know what it would look like, and so. The, one of the first things that we did is the redevelopment agency sponsored um, an Architectural Institute of America sanctioned design competition. It was jury, and architects submitted designs, and we actually had a, a it was juried by people who were qualified to, to, and it wasn't really until we could show people a building and say this is what Missoula's carousel is going to look like and here's why we picked this building. That people were able to all kind of unify around what it would look like. They were all thinking of a carousel that they had seen in another city and, you know... Some rickety dump of a thing. Well, or a nice one like in Central Park in New York City or some big city where they had a lot of money to, to run. So everybody kind of had their own idea of what it looked like. But our carousel was unique. Nobody had one. Nobody had built one of these things in almost 80 years. And here we were, and we didn't know. We'd never done it. And so you know what happened is is we we got down, and our our, uh, work thinking group process was none of us have ever, 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 ever built a carousel before. So we have to invent this as we go along. And so we got the building figured out we got the fundraising on task we got the got the uh, horses being carved and painted we got the mechanical works totally redone and brought back up the factory specifications we figured out how much things were going to cost we're gonna have a gift shop we're going to have you know, all these myriad of details, and the important thing, why this is more than one person, um, one person's enterprise, is that we recognize that Ch- that Chuck should not touch any money in this project. Oh, that's a good point. Because people would say, if Chuck was out raising money, did I gave him twenty, but I only saw fifteen go on the balance sheet? Did he take the other? What do you do with the other five bucks? Right. We said. We're going to create a non-profit foundation, and the foundation will raise all the money the carousel needs, and the foundation will spend the money that it raises. So, Chuck, if you need wood for horses, you come and say, I need another $500 worth of wood, or I need $1,000 worth of wood, and we'll go buy you $1,000 worth of the wood that you want. Right, right. So that was the way that we protected Chuck from any kind of accusation of, he got rich off this or that he did something that was on un- un- He Right. He got that all handled. He can be the hero that he is. And he was. And he was. And it took five years to raise the money, to build the building, to get everything done. And then we opened it in 1995. And it was great. We had a U.S. senator come to help us <laughs> open it. So I, to me, the big thing, I mean, it took years yeah. until it opened. Yeah, five years. And, and um, I, I remember the whole community was just, um, just, just had carousel fever the whole time. We had a parade. And, and, and uh, so what, we've, what we have here is we have 40 hand-carved horses. Each of the horses is unique. Um, um, they, they each have a unique background. There are, for example, um, a couple of what are called fjord horses that are modeled after horses that are found only in Norway and Scandinavia and there's two of those so and there's another there's another uh, four horses that share one (laughs) the penny horses yeah tell me about okay the fitness is awesome okay this is awesome okay part of carousel fever was that there were two fifth grade teachers that wanted They came to us and they said, you know, we want to get our kids involved. Kids should be part of the carousel, and we want to teach them something. And so at the time, uh, we had uh, a policy that for $2,500, you could adopt a horse. And if you adopted the horse, you got to... Design it. You got to say what it looked like, what pose it had. You got to do all this stuff. And so the was it twenty? I thought it was ten grand per horse. No, I like pay for the building and everything. No, no, no. Twenty-five hundred dollars. Twenty-five hundred. And so they these teachers set the school children, the fifth graders of Missoula, to work to raise one million pennies, which is ten thousand dollars, which is four horses. And they set it up so that the that the four classes that raised the most money got to, their class got to design the horse. And so we have Sir Franklin, we have Meriwether, we have Snapple, I always forget the fourth one. But you can always tell the penny ponies because they're all four together. They're in the middle row of the horses or the middle rank, as it's called. And they all have pennies embedded in their bridles or in their saddles. So you can never miss the horses that the school children of Missoula raised the money for. Footnote a Million pennies weighs 6,284 pounds. <laughs> was it all in pennies? It, it was all in pennies. They didn't bring all a pennies. nickel once no. in a while? No. It was, it was all, all pennies. pennies. And what we heard back was that some of these kids were doing their chores around the house. They were making crafts and they would sell them on the streets or at the farmer's market or something and they would charge pennies. It would be like, this is four cents. Exact change required. And so that was the way that they would get pennies. If you gave them a nickel, they'd say, no, guys, if I take your nickel, I've got to give you back a penny. And I, I don't want, need pennies. I need pennies. I don't need nickels. And so won't you, won't you buy two or three things uh, and pay me in pennies? So, uh, so that was kind of how that all worked. But it was really kind of a tremendous thing. Because what that means is that of all the people who adopted horses that are on the carousel, Fifth grade children are responsible for more horses than anybody,
1: and that's the way it
0: should be. Children, children are at the head of the pack of the people who sponsor horses. And I love that. I love that. It's a great part of the story. So, uh, to me, the big thing is, is like this, I don't know, is one of the icons of Missoula. I mean, Missoula has several cool icons. Certainly. In fact, it would be great if, uh, as part of this uh, podcast about Missoula, if you could tell the story about the uh, the peace sign up on the hill. But uh, and maybe we should go get Rock and Rudy for that one. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, um, the, uh, the, the the carousel to me is, it's like this this says community. The, 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 the horses are carved by people in the community. They weren't like bought or right, something like right. that. Yep. And, and it's like, and I remember during those years of carousel fever, the the whole the whole thing of uh, um, it's like people were talking about it all the time. What's the next big carousel fundraiser event? Right. And uh, and it's like one event after another. And it's not like I mean you would think that after so many years it would get old right. going to fundraiser event right. for the carousel. Right. <laughs> Is that thing ever going to get built? Well, the thing. And, the thing but but about it didn't get old. No, it didn't. And one of the things that I uh, I've been on a lot of nonprofit boards and raised a lot of money for stuff. But the thing about the carousel that was so different than any other project I've been involved with. As I said, we didn't know what we were doing as we were inventing this thing. And every once in a while, we would hit a bump in the road or hit a problem or find, and it'd be something we don't we don't know, we've got this problem, we don't know what to do. And the next thing we'd know, we'd turn around and there'd be somebody with a check saying, here. <laughs> <fix> or, <it. laughs> or somebody saying, yeah, you know, I did one of those in some other city, I could do that. And it would be like, Problems, problems lasted very little. They're short. Off. They were short, short-term problems. Because every time you turn around, there'd be a solution or a check, and and somebody wanting to make it happen. Yeah, it was. I mean, the the passion that was in this town during that time was so huge.
1: I don't, and, and I don't
0: think you could. I don't think you could list everybody that had a role in making this project happen. You couldn't. Because, yeah. And that's, yeah. why, that's why I think Missoula loves it so much is that there are people all over this town that can bring their family members or now their kids down here and say, see that little piece of the carousel? I did that. You know, <laughs> yeah. See that horse? Our family adopted that horse. We gave the money so that horse could be here or I laid these bricks or whatever. It, that's the beauty of this project. You know, I, I've been to other towns that have a carousel and the carousel's just seem really lame by comparison. They seem manufactured, they seem uh, like, who cares? It's a carousel, it's like some carny ride. Mm -hmm. But this carousel, this carousel is all through and through hand-carved. I mean, obviously, when they got done carving the horses, suddenly you had a bunch of people that were all, you know, (laughs) Hey, I'm carving mania, <laughs> and they're still carving today. They're still, they are still. There's a there's a workshop in our carousel, and the carvers still come down once a week and carve horses. And and there's a dragon now. Yeah, there wasn't before. One no. of the horses is actually a dragon. That's right. And uh, and then they they put in the thing with the dragon that has the uh, the, the, brass the brass ring. ring. Yeah. that's awesome. Now this carousel goes fast. Now you you keep telling me it's not so fast. But I, I, you know, so part of it it's is... It's 11 miles an hour on the outer, on the outer edge. It, it, and other carousels lean in, so that way when you hit top speed, you just feel like you're going fast. This carousel, when you hit top speed, you're holding on to that bar. That's right. <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's, 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 centripetal force! <laughs> well, getting back to the uniqueness of this. Bill Nye the Science Guy should ride yeah. it and do a video on centripetal force. Here's here's two stories that um, illustrate the magic of this. Try and grab that ring when you're going by so fast. It's hard. <laughs> if it was easy, everybody could do it. We um, when we were finishing, we finished ours up. Uh, there's a developer over in uh, Helena who is doing some ma- major redevelopment along an old uh, railroad corridor there, and he said, "Oh, carousel, great idea." I'm going to have one in Helena." And he basically went out and bought his. And they had a big community open up, deal, big blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, that's what you get when you buy it off the shelf. Right. Now, while we were building ours, there was a woman from Salem, Oregon. Her name was Hazel Patton, And she had two kids at the university. And so she was here in Missoula while her kids were going to school. And she watched this project. And she was just amazed that a community like Missoula could do that. And she said to her friends, you know, they're doing this great carousel in Missoula, Montana. If Missoula, Montana can do it, Salem, Oregon can do it. And so she was the spark plug, and she pulled together the people in Salem, found wood carvers. And it turns out that she's a very good friend of my mother's, (laughs) who lives in Salem. And my mother said, I'll just have my boy Jeff come out here, and and he'll set you right up. And, and... I went out there, and our our uh, executive director Teresa gave them a lot of information. Chuck Caprich gave them a lot of information, and what we told them were a couple things. One, we said when you adopt the horses, make it five thousand dollars. We thought twenty five hundred was a lot. People would have done five, but we had said twenty five, so it was so in in Oregon to adopt one of their horses cost five thousand dollars. Okay. And the other thing we told them was, make your building twice as big as you think it should be. Because yeah. we, we wish we had made ours bigger. This be- is small. Because we've been fighting for space ever since the beginning. But I kind of like that. I kind of like the fact that it, it pushes people together and there's a lot more conviviality. Anyway, they have on the end of the carousel building in Salem a room that's glass on three sides. And inside that room that they're still waiting because they might need it in the future. But right now, there is a huge monster of a Dale Choluli sculpture made of glass, of blown glass. And the owner put that on loan to the carousel. And now everybody in Salem can go down there and see this piece of artwork that cost a quarter of a million dollars. And it's there for everybody to see. But it draws them to the carousel. So, so they, One is a kind of a sister carousel now. Yes, and there are other sister carousels. There's one in Canada. And one of the things that when we were doing our carousel, when we were, when we were doing our carousel, we, um, we had a horse that was carved in Canada from some Canadian carvers that gave them to us as a, as a present for our carousel. And so our carvers, every time somebody in the country is doing a carousel, we, we send them, up a few horses. We send them a horse. We'll whittle you up a horse and send it right, right over. That's right. Because exactly right. we're Montanans, and that's what we do. <laughs> it's, well, we're just we're just paying forward what somebody did for us. And I love that about the, these carvers, is that that would be their attitude, that somebody helped us, now we'll help somebody else. I like that. It's a good spirit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. This is, uh, to me... I get a little choked up every time I come down here. Um, I mean, this is this is not this is not just something that somebody bought and propped up. This right. Is, this is something that this community came together and made. I call it. Uh, I call them a car. We, well, the name of our foundation was a carousel for Missoula. Right. That was the goal, and I call this the gift that the community gave itself. Yeah. Oh, that, that's all right, the gift of the, that the community gave to Missoula, or what? Yeah. The community it, gave it, it to itself. Yeah. The, the, the key is, is, that everybody. I mean, you know, that's one thing where Missoula seems to be really different from a lot of other communities. And I I travel around a lot. I visit a lot of communities, especially you know anything having to do with well community. Mm-hmm. Um, usually uh, with intentional community, how do how do the people get along? Do they visit? Um, and and, uh, and Missoula has a lot of the small town flavor, where when you're standing in the store. Other people that are in the store will will talk to you about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was telling you about how uh, I went to buy that Mac.
1: Mm-hmm. We, were,
0: yep. we were we were talking about that today, and how you know it's like uh, you just you just visit with everybody. That's yep. just how it is. And then of course there's the the farmers market. Yeah. Uh, bigger than any other market I've seen in any other community that I've been to, and I've been to a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in fact, they had the sun. We, we visited today the Sunday market. And uh, the Sunday market is the size of what I see in most communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Saturday market here in Missoula is the one that's the, the big king. In fact, we were talking earlier about, you were saying, well, Boulder has a good Saturday market. Well, I lived in Boulder for a year uh, in 2004. And uh, um, I have to say that uh, uh, the Boulder market's but about the size of the middle market. So the, the Saturday market in Missoula is split into three pieces. Um, and uh, there's there's the first piece uh, which is all uh, growies, and then there's the second piece which is all crafts, and then there's the third piece which is the biggest, right. which is anything goes. And and so uh, the the Boulder market's about the size of the second one. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd say that this market here is a good three times bigger, right. probably even bigger than three times, probably four times bigger. One of the things that we're one of the things that we're that we're finding is that. Um, all over the country, uh, farmers markets are growing, and so I would guess that even Boulder's market has probably changed from even in the last seven years because local food is such a hot thing and it's just growing everywhere. So um, our market is old; uh, the original farmers market has been there for thirty years. So um, when it comes to community, yeah, then once again. Uh, I'd have to say that uh, the Missoula community is far more interesting, Uh, the the Missoula community is far more interesting, uh, uh, far more personable than Boulder. I mean, when I lived in Boulder, I I don't know, I went to their Pearl Street Market a lot, because that's kind of like where most of their community stuff was happening. But um, it did not, I mean, it was it was okay, but it did not, it was certainly not a Missoula flavor. Right. Um, and in Missoula, like when you have, like, so we made that video, you and I made that video for the Missoula Farmers Market. <clears throat> and uh, uh, there were tons and tons of comments. Most people were like, wow, that is amazing. I've never seen a market that that big. And there were people that were commenting that, like, well, you know, in, like some places in Asia, that's like their daily market. Oh, Yeah. You know, and, uh, uh, and then other people commented that, like, somebody said that they thought the Portland market might be bigger.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and I have to admit, I haven't seen the Portland market in, um, over 10 years. So it's possible. It was, it was pretty big the last time I was there, but I don't think it was this big. And Portland's a lot bigger. Oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Than, than Missoula. Um, but it's like, wow, uh, you know, 10% of the community shows up for the Saturday market. You know, and it's like, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of sports right. or or football, but I gotta tell you that when there's a Grizzly game, man, and it's like the and this is another thing, like you go you go to the break, you know, the, one of the main coffee shops in town, yeah. and you'll see a bunch of hippies getting together, and then Missoula is the only place I can imagine this conversation happening, where two hippies are talking, and one says to the other, Hey, did you get your elk yet?
1: <laughs>
0: you know, so uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely. I, I remember uh, when I first got back to Missoula that there was uh, um, a an article in the uh, in the weekly paper where a guy was talking about the etiquette of uh, wearing your sidearm to uh, a public event. Yeah. <laughs> So we've got those people here too. Yeah, yeah, and and so uh, uh, and it's like no, it all it all works out. I mean, it, people people that you would think would really not get along really get along, and no. it's because of this community ness of Missoula, and I think a lot of it has to do with you that. You kind of did a little orchestrating here and there behind the scenes within the you know main flow of things, and from where I sat, a lot of it looked like it was you well, that's an illusion maybe I so think, i think I think one of the things that what you said makes me makes me think is, is that you know a lot of times we we reduce community to um, uh, a range of left to right progressive to conservative, liberal, conservative, whatever. And I think Missoula has that, but we also have, um, instead of just a a one-dimensional or a a one-dimensional arrow that has extremes on it, we also have the other axis that goes in in the opposite direction, because what that does is it allows what you said, yeah, uh, you might find a progressive and a conservative in the same bar, and they're at opposite ends of one spectrum. But if there's another spectrum of elk hunters, where some people are elk hunters and some people are not, are vegans, are vegans, you might find the two people that are at the opposite end of one spectrum on political issues might be at the same end of the other spectrum on that on elk hunting. Right. And there's gobs and gobs of things. And, and rather than being mad at people because of your differences, people seem to come together because of their likeness. Well, because, you know, if you sit around with somebody long enough, you're going to find something that you both like. And I think right. Missoulians know that. They may snarl at one another and, and whatever. But they, I think they know on some level, if they get together and talk long enough, they'll find something where they'll just go, oh, yeah, I, I see it that way. I think think that... uh, And the uh, carousel was the one, it was the one project where everybody was at the, almost everybody was at the same place on on the the graph. So it didn't matter. We had bankers, we had poor people, we had grandpas, we had children. I mean, we had everybody. They all met at the sweet spot of Missoula, which was the carousel. Right. Everybody was at the same place on the graph there. Yeah, that's why it worked. And, and, but you know, I, I, I think that in Mazua, that that kind of, um, community ness is, is just pervasive in lots and lots of things. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, everywhere you go, everything that you do, it just seems, I mean, granted, there's, there's your negative Nellies and what not once in a while. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, uh, like when you're in a small town, uh, you can everybody knows everybody else and and uh, and whatnot and that's for better or for worse right and and here uh, it's kind of got a bit of a sweet spot where it's like uh, everybody doesn't know everybody else I mean you see somebody you know damn near every day when you go somewhere yeah. and let me tell you being a celebrity is awesome <laughs> ha, you're Paul Wheaton yes yes, yes I am yes, I knew I am. that yes, I <laughs> and uh, uh, you know which is cool but at the, at the same time it's like people don't know you at all. More than happy to 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 visit with you about damn near anything. Just yep. standing in line, we were standing in line to get some of that Thai food the other day, yeah. and the, the people next to us are saying, "No, you know what you want to try?" Yeah. you know, is this other thing? Yeah, you know, because of the whatever. It was so, and it was good advice. So uh, that happens everywhere, everywhere, everywhere you go. I think so. So the Missoula Farmers Market. Let's talk about that okay. for a little bit. Okay. We'll wrap up on that note. Okay. The Missoula Farmers Market is crazy big, huge. In the video, you go into a lot of detail about how it was started for the Hmong folks. We have a Hmong community here. We have a lot of communities here. We have the Hmong community. Yeah. There's a pretty significant Russian community. Yes. Uh, and there's one other, Greek community. We have, a we have hence, all the Greek restaurants, which we also did a video on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So the uh, I mean, Greeks were the first ones. Okay. They were the first. The Greeks, actually, the Greek and the French, uh, were the first ones to come to the valley. Uh, the the French people settled out. Well, that's why they call it town because that's where a lot of them settled. Um, and they were mostly involved in agriculture, some railroad. The Greeks originally came here to work on the railroad and stayed, and were initially uh, did. Small farming and vegetables and flowers, and then moved into real estate. And by the third or fourth generation, they were doing everything. So, mm. um, yeah. So, the Saturday market. In the beginning, there was no Saturday market. Right. I'm. I. You had something to do with it getting started. Actually, um, no. It was actually started uh, initially with an idea of two local women, Chinwan Reinhardt and Mavis McKelvey. And sadly, Mavis McKelvey passed away uh, just this in this past year. And uh, both Mavis and Chinwan were active in the market uh, right up until Mavis passed away. And those two women had the original vision for what the farmer's market could be. Uh, later, when they got it approved by the city to have it, there were uh, bylaws and a board of directors. And, but both women stayed involved in it. And then it was only later, in the uh, early 80s, when we started looking at how we could improve the area around the market. Because the market initially got sort of shoved off into a... Now, Side street, next to the uh, railroad. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of a, was like, hey, we don't need this land, you can have it. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But, um, but when we, in the, in the 80s, we were looking at what we could do to make that part of downtown work, uh, we went to extensive uh, measures to move the locomotives, to actually put it on railroad tracks. We actually moved that train almost 50 yards and then created its new home and then brought it back. And we tore up a lot of the brick street, but then we put a lot of the bricks, the historic bricks, back into the market doubled the size of the market to where the vendors could be. We put power to the market, created a little stage. Uh, From time to time, we have music there. Hopefully, we'll have some more music there in the future. Uh, Nothing wrong with hearing a little music while you shop for your fresh locally grown produce, it's a nice Some, some locally grown music with your locally grown produce? Yeah, yeah, I think that's all part of the <clears throat> civilization aspect of it. <laughs> so yeah, we did that, and then, you know, of course, the other thing that we did is we did public art up there, and we did the uh, sculpture crossing. Which you know everybody calls it the red X's. I heard you call it the red X's. It's
1: just easier. I had to
0: correct you after you corrected me like fifty times. I know it's just. You like, said I only at the red X's. What? Yeah. You call it the red X's? I just get tired of explaining it to everybody. <laughs> I can only do it a million times, and I just have to relent. <laughs> but that but the but the uh crossings was just this past year it was taken apart and uh <laughs> renovated and um, the uh paint was redone and the sculpture was all cleaned up and it looks great. It does. Yeah. It does, it looks great. It's really red. So and, and and it's been expanded. I mean when I was when I was last living in Missoula mm-hmm. Um, the market was just that one market up there by the red X's, yes. uh, by the, the, where the, where the train is. Right. And, um, uh, it was packed. Yep. Like every time you would go, you could barely move. Right. And then the sidewalks were packed with people selling crafts like stuff. And, I mean, it was, so you would, you gotta figure it would, you know, spending a fair bit of time there just to, just cause you're, it's gonna go so slow. Right. Then I came. I came by a couple of years back, and it's massive. It's 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 uh it's what four to five times bigger than it originally was, and uh uh and on top of that it's all spread out. So now it's not packed anymore. Right. You can move around. I mean, right. it, there are some spots where it gets a little tight and things slow down, but right. for the most part, you can you can walk pretty freely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I think that's kind of in response to uh, it. Everybody wants to have a nice experience. Nobody wants to go elbow their way to the kohlrabi. I mean, <laughs> uh, you want to be able to you want to be able to get stuff. The other thing is, it's a social event. You see your friends and neighbors there. You want to be able to visit with them without impeding other people shopping there. So the idea is, is that. You need to create enough space for people to socialize and to shop and to circulate. So that's that's why it got moved. And it's also why we chose to open uh the people's market as it was initially called, um, two blocks away to separate the crafts from food. Okay. So Jeff, yeah. you're awesome. Missoula's awesome. Missoula's crazy awesome. You're and, awesome. And we're out here in the pouring rain. Ah, we're awesome. You know and, uh, I, I think, uh, as it's starting to rain really hard now, I'm thinking, you know what? I think this podcast, uh, is over. My <laughs> podcast is done for the day. Okay. But, but, uh, I, I think it was a good one. And, uh, I'm bonkers about Missoula. I'm so glad to be back. It just feels like I'm home. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it, it, it went on and did awesome stuff without me. And I am just so excited. I'm going to pop. Well, and uh, I just can't help but, uh, you know, do a podcast about Missoula as long as I'm doing podcasts podcast because Missoula is just fucking awesome. Well, Missoula's glad you're back, Paul, and we're <laughs> looking forward to your contributions to making Missoula even greater. <laughs> all right. Uh, so if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about Missoula, homesteading, and permaculture all the time.